Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The following is an exclusive presentation from Sports Radio 92.7. WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations, because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. I thought about this the other day. I was was looking for some, like, you know, fun off-season topics, and I came across Bone ESPN did a bracket of sport of fict, uh, fictitious athlete movie characters. They seeded them. And it's, by the way, it's based on like, not, it's not based on like, Oh, I love that character. I thought yes. it was funny or whatever. It's based on like how good these characters were at their sport. And I was so like, like Rudy, the character, the football player was not there a lot. No, I don't think he was even in the bracket. Because he had one, uh, he had one damn sack. He was offsides anyway. They shouldn't even let it stand. That's enough of that. So okay. anyway, so we are ranking. Uh, we each did a top five. Feel free to get into this. We're going to take it way too seriously. All right, because we're going to break down these athletes like we're Mel Kiper Jr. But like, it's based on who, uh, how good were they at their sports? Uh, that's what our top five is. So Bone, should should I go first and then you follow? Or should we each do five together and then we do four? How should we do it? Flounder, how do you want to do this? Together, maybe? Yeah, we'll just do it. You, you, you like that, Flounder? Yes, yes, yes. All right. So glad let's we did that. Together. Glad we did it off the air before we came on the air. <laughs> We're very prepared for this. Not so, exactly uh, old uh, Cisco and Ebert and here. And y'all rip us. Y'all, y'all, if you want to, or if you like our choices, think about these characters and like how good, even though they weren't real, how good they were in the movie at their particular sport. Number five. Who's your number five, Bone? We're going to the sport of college football, Mac. Mm, mm. We said Rudy didn't do a whole lot, but one man that did. One of the greatest special teams return man in SEC history, Forrest Gump at Alabama. Oh, you My couldn't God. you couldn't help yourself. You man had to get was Forrest an, Gump man in was there. an all American, and you know what? He, he had to go to the he had to go serve the country. What would Forrest have done with an opportunity in the NFL when kick returning was more paramount than it is now? Forrest Gump. <laughs> you are shameless. Man. Why is that shit? Does he not deserve to be he on here? He couldn't run the route tree. What else could he do? He, he was just he, a guy who's going to run whoa. the ball back. Really whoa, fast whoa, whoa. in a straight line. You, he didn't run the route tree. He's not running hooks and comebacks. You didn't see that. All they showed was the kick. You don't think that hit him. No, there's he had no way. He did also, they the only mental. showed one I'll kick return from him. Forrest didn't this. have the mental capacity if, to, to be a route runner. If it was a different time and Bill Belichick <laughs> and Bill Belichick had Forrest Gump on his team, I'm not buying he would have been West Walker. I got a football guy on this list, but he's up higher. He's up higher. Number five for me, Bone Man, is Air Bud. Air Bud is a dog, and he's out there balling. And the thing about Air Bud, too, is basketball might not even been his best sport. It was his first sport, Bone. But Air Bud was a golden retriever. Wait a minute here. Air Bud Hold was on. a world pup. He was playing soccer. Air Bud was playing volleyball, spiking back. He was playing baseball, seventh inning fetch. Air Bud was the Jim Thorpe 
of the canine world. You got this a, dog was so versatile, man. You got a problem with old FG? I do. Forrest Gump and All-American in the SEC, and you put Airbud. By the way, little known fact about Airbud, he was also uh, Comet in Full House, the initial Airbud. I didn't know all yeah. that. I didn't know all that. Yeah, this was the, your facts. This you're, was the Bo Jackson of animals, Airbud. Yeah, you're talking about the most versatile. Maybe the most Amazing. versatile fictional athlete ever. Amazing. And he's a dog? I mean, come on, man. So that's number five on the list, Bo. My number four, we go to a man that is part human, part not human. But you cannot do this list without the basketball prowess and what he did for his high school basketball team, Mr. Scott Howard. That's a good choice. Michael J. Fox and Teen Wolf. I was really close to putting him on there because Teen did Wolf not win took it. games over. He did, they did not win a game for three seasons until Scott Howard turned into the Wolf. They were unbeatable. Mac, if he would have came along, this was not the one-and-done era. Where would Scott Howard as the Wolf be in the NBA draft, say, a decade later? He'd be on NBA Number team. one overall. He would have been MJ with fur. <laughs> You know what I mean? Seriously. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I thought about putting him on there, too. All right, so if y'all are just joining us, we're each doing top fives. I don't know if this is this is fun, goofy, stupid, or all the above. We're doing top fives movie character, fic, you know, fictitious movie character athletes, but we're basing it on how good of an athlete they were in the movies here. So um, uh, it, feel free. People are just mad send at, your talent evaluations People are in. mad at Mac for not admitting how good Forrest Gump was. He played for Bear Bryant. And Mac he did. Air, he did. Mac Played for Bear Bryant. Mac had Air Bud as his. Oh, my God. Air Bud could have played for Alabama football, basketball, volleyball, and soccer. All right? Get out of here with that. Number four. Give him the heater, Ricky. <laughs> Rick Wild Thing Vaughn. Once he got his groove, Boney, he was intimidating. You didn't know where the ball was going to go. You were scared in the batter's box. This dude was the best movie closer. I have ever seen in my life, man. He was the fire behind that team in Major League. Rick Wild thing. Vaughn, it was tough because he's got some good teammates. Serrano couldn't hit the curveball. It didn't seem to matter at the end, though. Willie Mays Hayes couldn't hit anything, but he got on the bases, base pass and stole base. So I could have gone a lot of ways, Bone, on that team, but I went with Wild Thing Vaughn, number four. No, that's, that's, that's a great one. That, okay, that, you like that? that? I'm not, uh, you not don't a like huge that? fan. No. He's too, inc- he's too consi- inconsistent. But once he got it, though, once he got it, but baby, he can lose he it so quick. How long would that last? He, set, yeah. he set the tone for closers music after that. Because did, that's when Trevor Hoffman started Hell's yeah. Bells. Rick, Wild Thing Vomag was a pioneer in, in, in terms I like of it. I like the way you're thinking. Wild Thing would be playing. He'd be coming in. All right, so that's my number four. Who is your number three? This Movie man, character uh, based on his athletic prowess. This man parlayed his accomplishments as a youth into becoming a major leaguer. But the fact, Mac, that in one of the most serious situations we've ever seen, when the ball went over the fence and they had to figure out how to pickle the beast in Sandlot, Ooh. one man stepped up and not only showed how great an athlete he was, Mac. Oh, my but, God. This but, is an out. Oh. But Benny the Jet Rodriguez oh, what a pick. saved the life of his friends. What a pick. If that beast gets loose, well, he did get loose, but still, he outran the beast. He pickled the beast. And then he went to play for the Dodgers. Yeah. And st- the Jet stole home. Benny the Jet Rodriguez. He's an all-time great. Now, I didn't put him on his. Uh, I didn't put him on my list. I how dare guilty. you? I went with Wild Thing Vaughn. I bet Wild Thing would strike out Benny the Jet, though, if they made Oh, if they you're, you, you are, he you are out of your title, mind. By the way, man. I'm a little concerned that Benny the Jet was coming in to pinch run and not already in the game at the end of the movie. Yeah, but so no, he's no. only a role player. <laughs> the Dodgers. But maybe he was retiring yeah. or something. I don't Wild know. Thing Vaughn was a star closer. He was going to get him 
a multi-million dollar deal, man. I could feel it. Um, uh, Probably from the Mets. <laughs> but Benny the Jet's a great call, man. That dude could ball, baby. Great call. Yeah, if you went with, like, Squints or something, I'd be worried about you. You know what I mean? But Benny the Jet was what, the call. What are you talking? Squints was a solid second baseman, okay? It Come on. solid, though. This list, was, some this list is elite athleticism uh, that the characters no, have. I'd have to go with my guy. Benny, if I'm going with another Benny guy. Benny the Jet is Ronald Acuna Jr. I would say that Squints was more like Mark Lemke back then. I got to tell you, undervalued Yaya over there at third base. Okay. Tremendous. Okay, I'm just well, passionate right now about the whole lineup. He is. He is. Number three for me, Cole Trickle. Cole Trickle oh. on Days of Thunder Man. Wow. He's a little defiant. He's a little defiant. He didn't want to hear Harry Hall give him too much advice. He didn't want to do it Harry's way. But, man, once they started working together, Cole Trickle was bad fast. He had the rivalry, too. He had to deal with Rowdy Burns on and off the track. Cole Trickle gets a nod. I was thinking Ricky Bobby because Ricky Bobby ended up with using his feet at the end to beat uh, he drove, the Frenchman. He, he won a race backwards. But I went uh, Cole Trickle, man. Cole Trickle was smooth. Smooth. Not even the best NASCAR driver available for this top five list. You forgot an all-timer right there and the fact that you... Where you going, Ricky Bobby, you, Cal Norton? Ricky Bobby, better driver than Cole Trickle was. Yeah, Cole never when had a... When you win a race driving backwards, you deserve a lot. Of <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. But Cole Trickle I took more seriously than Ricky Bobby. Number right. two is pretty self-explanatory. So about, we haven't had the same at all yet. No, okay. no. Number two is pretty self-explanatory, Mac. You got to have this list. You got to have Rocky Balboa on there, right? His accomplishments, what he did Rocky's in movies. Great call. Rocky Balboa, number two for me. I great don't think call. Be, not I, much to be said about I that. I thought you had Rocky. You're well, just showing I'm, respect I'm for respect, his abilities. I'm respecting though. his abilities in the, the, in the damn movie. world champ, baby. Went from nothing. Just grew up with nothing in Philly on the streets of Philly to the world champ. Yep. That is a great call. It's such a great call. I might talk about him here in a minute. But before I get to talking about that, his name was Willie. Willie Beeman. I'm telling you, before there was Michael Vick, before there was Cam Newton, there was Willie Beeman. Man, that old guy, how did that old guy have the job over Willie Beeman for a while? He didn't start till week 13. I don't know why. Why did that old guy have the job? Because Willie Beeman got in there in, uh, what the hell is that movie called? Why am I flanking on this movie? So important to you. It's, uh, any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. What will you do for an inch? Um, uh, and we do best coaches when we do that list of the best coaches. Uh, Al Pacino going to be up there. But Willie Beeman Bone, dual threat quarterback, sparked that team, man. Seriously. Willie Beeman is my number two. I considered him. He did not make that list. Yeah, you didn't put him on there. I am now up to number one. And, and this woman makes a lot of the, uh, the lists you see in terms of this topic here. We're going back to the 1940s. The All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Gina Davis played the role of Dottie Hinson. Yeah. A catcher ahead of her time. Sort of a hybrid of Pudge Rodriguez and Adley Rushman. You're the <laughs> Orioles. A woman that she did that split back in the movie. Yeah. By the way, she really did that, that move. That wasn't a stunt. She really worked on that. She worked on her catching as an actress. But the character Dottie Hinson, she is my number one right there. She was Dottie an all-time Hinson. great, man. And the, the old question remains. The end of the movie. Did Dottie drop the ball on purpose to help her sister kid out? That's true. We'll never, I think she had a heart too. We'll never know. She had a we'll heart. She know. had talent. You know, I don't have a problem with that. I think that's a good one. Uh, I so, went, Forrest Gump, so Forrest Gump is the biggest issue you have. Yeah, I didn't think Forrest Gump had enough versatility in his game. I mean, he was elite though at that one skill, right? Just running straight with Special the ball. Special teamer. Um, I, uh, I went with Rocky Balboa number okay. one. Okay. 
I mean, the guy and the rivals he had to beat, he had to get past Apollo. Then he had to deal with Drago. I must break you. He had to deal with Drago. Uh, Clubber Lang he got a piece of there. And Rocky Balboa was just him and Mick together in the corner between rounds. What a team. So I went with Rocky Balboa, my number one. There are so many names that are being mentioned. As movie character athletes, like how good were they in the movie at their sport? We're obviously having some fun taking some uh, taking some license here. But uh, Booby Miles, people are mad. I took Willie Beeman over Booby Miles, running back from the pro- program. Booby Miles was Friday, Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights. Okay, all right. Um, Howie Ro- uh, Henry Rowan Gardner, rookie of the year. I didn't I mean, see that he, one. He broke his arm and threw 105 miles an hour as a 10-year-old. You didn't put him in there, though. <laughs> you, you left him out. But that's pretty he impressive. He threw one to home plate from the bleachers yeah, in and center field. That's an impressive arm. I thought that was based on a true story until I was 24 years old. <laughs> I would try to turn him into a – if we didn't have Bryce, I'd try to turn him into Man, a Panther one, quarterback. One other person here that didn't make Happy Gilmore get some run. Happy Gil- – Bobby Boucher, <sighs> too. Bobby Boucher. Now that one—that's the one that I have a problem. How in the hell did you leave Bobby Jesus. Boucher? Jesus. Once he once he started. What a freaking monster! Once he started those visuals before the snap. Oh my God, he was a he was a beast. Jesus Shuttlesworth from he yeah, got Yeah, I thought game. about him. Yeah, actual athletes playing other athletes in movies. Ray Allen is way up there. Also. Danielson, Karate Kid. Yeah, he had to go in multiple tournaments, by the way, while getting beat up and getting his ass kicked all over the city by the Cobra Cop. You could have gone with... He overcame a lot. You definitely could have gone with him. Jimmy Chitwood, too, is getting some love. Jimmy Chitwood, you ran that picket fence. You didn't even look and see. You didn't even have to look and see where the ball went. You knew Chitwood was hitting that jump. Also a quitter on the way. Nothing but net. Um, I'll get out of here with that, man. This dude had skill. All right? I, I He's going to, through some stuff. I think he was getting paid to come back. NIL before it's time. Going through some stuff. Mox, Tweeter from Varsity Blues getting some love. I like Billy Bob on the O-line. But not, but not a great athlete. Mox was great, though. Right? Yes. And Mox yeah. was so oh, good yeah. he got the whipped cream bikini treatment. Who um, who was the other one, Bone? That, that uh, was getting... Oh, yeah. Uh, Jefferson. Fast times at Ridgemont High. Jefferson. I don't oh, know yeah. if y'all remember. He made every tackle in that damn game. Oh, yeah. Remember what happened to his card? He was so angry. Uh, Tub of the Chub says Roy McAvoy from Tin Cup. He got some run. Nah. Had some issues there late, though. Had some Flutter, issues what late. About, what about Kevin Costner's no-hitter in uh, for love of the game when he played for the Tigers? Oh, yeah. Somebody said get, fair, yeah, it's Somebody fair said he should have gone over Rick Vaughn. Rick Vaughn couldn't do it. Rick Vaughn was a specialist, though. He'd come in. You know, I, also believe, it off. I also believe his character had won Cy Young Awards in the past. So that was a guy that did, did some stuff. Also, Roy Hobbs, tremendous in the natural. Yes, the veteran the still, player. still had some pop. Jose Canseco in the unnatural. <laughs> Shane Falco. People love Shane Falco from the replacement. He was a replacement player. He wasn't yeah, playing. That's the thing, he was only in yeah, there because of the know. strike. Uh, that was the only reason he was in there. How's Falco? Someone great? said, we're taking this way too seriously right now. Mac is, that was Mac the whole is, point of it, though. You know, actually, you know where I saw this from? Not just the ESPN thing. Matt Liner actually did this. He ranked his football play, player quarterbacks in movies. It was pretty fun. You so. know who was a baller, but he didn't count for this, but Steve Urkel could hoop, man. I was I well, I was thinking that when you said team. How did I, never I see thought Urkel hoop. I well, mean, oh, what a freaking Larry baller. Johnson were on a two on two team and Larry Johnson was grandma. Steve Urkel could really ball and uh, Julia White. Oh, he was pouring he it could in. Ball dude. Mac. He had like these great he was like little Tim Hardaway okay, out there. I wouldn't I didn't see that coming. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from six to ten. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Band. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Now, we've been teasing this the last couple of days. We didn't get to it yesterday. But we were discussing LaMelo. How soon could he be a leader with this Hornets franchise? Because Mitch Kupchak told you they're going to be looking for a leader in upcoming NBA free agency. Wes, you might have one with the Carolina Panthers with the fifth round selection. Now, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but if he pans out to even be just an average NFL player, the attitude is anything but average. Here is the phone call that goes down as shown in episode three of the Blueprint series for Carolina. The phone call between fifth-round pick Jamie Robinson and Scott Fitterer and Ajero Averro and everybody else that spoke to the Florida State product. Here's how that went out, uh, played out. When we called Jamie, it was kind of like he was very monotone. I, I wasn't the first one on the phone that they said he was very businesslike. Jamie. What's up, Coach? Hey, man, congratulations on becoming a Carolina Panther. He was pissed off. Like This is a guy that was, I think he said there's not 144 players better than me. Hey, just know I'm ready to work. I'm ready to come in and play. It ain't 144 guys better than me, and, and that's, that's just that. No, awesome. I love it. I'm going to hold you to that every day, right? We're going to challenge each other, sure. each other better, right? That's like the perfect attitude that we want on this team. We want a guy with a chip on his shoulder. You guy that's pissed off, a guy that's been slighted. And you can see that in his play and see it carry over to a phone call. That's a special competitor right there. Everybody else was happy when they got the phone call, not Jamie Robinson. <laughs> he was more focusing on the fact that 144 guys got taken before he did. And then he told that to Jero Averro. Not 144 guys better than me. What would you think of the phone call? I love it because you think that regardless when a guy gets picked that he's just going to be happy and giddy and not thinking about uh, anything else but that. But when a guy is so angry that he just forgets the fact that his life just changed probably for the better because he's frustrated because he knows he's better than guys selected in front of him, I want that kind of guy on the team that I cheer for as well. Yeah, I think when you're talking about Jamie Robinson, somebody that we liked as that fifth-round selection, for him to have that attitude and also back it up with some of the attention he's getting in camp and some of the attention he's getting in OTAs and mandatory workouts, voluntary, whatever it is. He's getting some attention, which is nice. So not only do you have the attitude, but you also have him actually showing out there on the football field. Maybe this is someone that can come in and provide an impact right away. They also talked about special teams, which is the easy way to make it if you're a fifth round, sixth round pick or beyond. But maybe he actually sees some time in the secondary. It was really cool to hear what he had to say going back and forth between Scott Fitterer and Ajero Averro. So you can go check that out again with episode three dropping a part of the Panthers blueprint series. Now, if we want to get to some of the leaders, it might take a little while for Jamie to do that. So if we wanted to point to some of the leaders right now, who are guys that you think will step up? 
is it is it as simple as Brian Burns being the first answer you think of, or is there somebody else that we're not thinking of as much? Um, maybe on the same tier as Brian graduating into a veteran leadership role. Yeah, I mean, you hear about how smart Brian is, how much he questions things, and not in a bad way, but just asking the right questions. Uh, he seems to be very vocal this offseason from what I see, so I think that he's growing into his own there. So I would go with him. But then Von Bell is another name that I think of. Uh, this guy's a vet. He's been to the Super Bowl. He's been in a uh, huge playoff game. So I think he's a guy that the defense can look to as well. Derek Brown strikes me as pretty quiet, but I think on defense, you're talking Brian Burns, Von Bell, and then I think offensively, the leadership from what we've seen, especially from these blueprint shows already, Adam Thielen looks like a guy that people are going to be able to lean on, especially that receiver group. Uh, And I think Miles Sanders may be able to garner a little bit of that as well. I mean, Bryce Young, I think it goes without saying him being a rookie. He may kind of dial it back because he doesn't want to step on toes. But I think Bryce Young, he's coming into his own already. You've already heard in the locker room the stamp that he's left. So Bryce Young, I think, will be the de facto leader on the offense on top of those two guys. So you mentioned a couple of players, Brian Burns, maybe not Derek Brown. Feels like he's a little bit more soft-spoken. And I may be wrong, but... Well, we saw Shy Tuttle jump in and actually lead by example, teaching Derek Brown something. Hey, come back, do this drill again, because whatever you did the first time wasn't necessarily working for me. And that's the veteran defensive lineman coming in and actually teaching Derek Brown a thing or two. But you do wonder, you have stars or guys that could potentially be stars at a few different positions now. Brian Burns is a pro bowler already, already a very good football player. Can you change status in 2023? Can you do that with Derek Brown, who has a great year last season, obliterates the bus label, which was surrounding him, obliterates that with with a very strong year. So maybe you take a jump into him actually making a Pro Bowl game as well. And Iki Iquanu. I mean, you can see guys, especially at that left tackle spot, they come in, play well. He's already done that. You can see those guys make a big old jump in year two. I saw Marcus Mosher, pro football focus contributor. He put out some of those left tackles that make that big jump in their sophomore season. A lot of guys do it. I think Icky can also be that guy. Wes, I think he's the one that I feel the best about making a big old jump next year. The other guys may be a little bit harder from where they're starting. I think the bigger gap from year one to coming up this next season, I think Icky is the one I think will be the most improved. Yeah, I would agree with you there because all the things that you spoke about a lot of times with left tackles, we saw James Campen talk about uh, how much further ahead progressively he is than he was last year, how much he had to learn last year and things of that nature. Now he has a year of experience under him. So I would probably go along with you uh, with Icky as well. And then I think that Brian Burns, especially moving to a three, four outside linebacker, I think he's going to be able to see his numbers go up uh, just a little bit. I would, I would look for maybe a three, three and a half, sack improvement from him, at least which puts him at that franchise record. But that 3-4, man, like I said, those pass rushing backers in 3-4s can put up some 
some nasty numbers. So I think we're going to see a lot from him, but I'll go with Icky. Well, and James Camp, and I talked about this too. It was in episode one. I forget which one it was, but James Camp and speaking to the team saying we can be teachers, but the best teachers are going to be your teammates. And then that's when you saw the shy Tuttle thing happen. Adam Thielen, Terrace Marshall Jr. You got to see some of those moments between the veterans on the team and some of the younger guys. And so you have players stepping up in that role. I think that is a big deal. It's hard to quantify how much that means. I don't know if it's going to lead to two more wins. I don't know if that's going to lead to 30 more points on the season, whatever. It's hard to quantify. I do think it matters. With the coaching staff in place, you have a lot of different areas to go when looking for expertise on something. Do you think that's going to be the biggest factor into who wins the NFC South? Because Frank Reich, yeah, he got fired. That happened with the Colts. But he also was an above 500 coach. Todd Bowles in Tampa, not the best success with his days as the Jets head coach. It didn't really work out for him either a long time ago. Same thing with Dennis Allen. And you have Arthur Blank, not Arthur Blank, I always do that. Arthur Smith trying to figure it out with the Falcons organization. Frank Reich, you could argue, is the best coach in the division. You, you Certainly, at the very worst, the second best, and very easily the best in the NFC South. How big of a factor will that be for them to win the division, Wes? Uh, I'm going to go with coach as far as being the biggest factor because I feel like the coaches at the top of this conference have good quarterbacks, good enough quarterbacks to win it. And so when you look at Dennis Allen, don't trust him at all, especially based off what we saw with him with the Raiders and then now with the Saints. Uh, he, he did a a little bit well, but still, for the most part, not a guy that I trust. Frank Reich, as you said, yes, he was fired, but I still like what I see from him. He did have some success in his previous stops. There were a lot of people who felt he was wrongly terminated. So I think that just the redemption factor with him having, uh, in my opinion, what will be the best quarterback in the division as well, I think it will come down to coaching. Um, Atlanta's Atlanta's coach, uh, what's his name again? Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith. He's a, um, I think he's a, a solid coach, but I would give the nod to Frank Reich in this instance. I'm going to go with coaching winning this division, and I go with Frank Reich. Well, and if we're just going with big gaps and improvement. Factors and yeah. he, him being the best coach. And with Carolina having gone from Matt Rule to Frank Reich, big improvement, huge improvement. And you can see that in some of these episodes. Doesn't it just feel so much more professional? just feels so different, man. Yeah. And all the legends are telling you that. The Panthers legends, whether it be TD, Steve Smith, Jake DeLome, all of them are telling you that there is a bigger energy surrounding whatever practice is. And you've always had that feel with Scott Fitterer, but you didn't have that feel with Matt Rule. And I think with Fitterer, now partnered with Frank Reich, I think you're getting a lot of that professionalism coming through the cameras, seeing that when they speak to media. And when you see it on their phone calls with some of these guys that they decide to take in the NFL draft, we can remember some of the weird moments with like Matt Rule talking to Thomas Fletcher, the long snapper. You coming, bro? You coming? It's like, oh, okay. It's a little weird. <laughs> Chuba Hubbard. Hey, Chuba, man, my wife wanted to draft you. Loved you. It's like, all right, it's a cool story. I don't want to hold it against you a ton. But with Frank Reich, with Scott Fitterer, it just seems like a much more polished message. And it just feels like, hey, excited to take you, you know, enjoy this moment, get ready to work, yada, yada. I actually like Frank Reich's phone call with Bryce Young when they were on the phone together saying, hey, this is going to be a great place. You're going to love it here. It wasn't really you come in ready to work. You're ready to put in a whole <laughs> bunch of hours, which everyone hears, right? 
He was actually saying, no, we got a great team. I'm really excited about this. You're going to love it here. The locker room's great. Just talking a little bit to the player on what they can expect rather than giving you the cliche, hey, come in, work really hard, yada, yada. I really like that messaging from Frank, Frank Reich to make your franchise QB feel as comfortable as possible and saying, hey, man, you're going to come in. You're going to fit extremely well with this squad. We've got a good thing growing, and we want you to be a part of it. Yeah, and I mean, I liked it as well. I, I still felt like that was still a lot of coach speak, but with the offseason that they've had, I feel like that there is definitely some credibility there. What was funny, though, that, that cracked me up is when he met Hayden Hurst, and he looked him up and down, and he said that he looked good. And because coach Young said this? Or? No, no, no. Frank Reich said oh, that okay. to Hayden Hurst. And it just cracked me up because coaches, no matter what level you're on, they all do this. And they give you the handshake where they feel your arms and your shoulders and your traps. And they tell you how good you look. <laughs> and I'm like, how did you think Hayden Hurst <laughs> come in? He's like, you look good. Like, that's just something coaches love to say to guys. They you look, look at good. You look off the bus. I see my coaches today, and definitely I, I've lost a, a good bit of weight since then. They still tell me that when they see me. They said, man, you look good. Strength coach, you look good. Oh, like coaches just love to to say that. My family, it is a lineage of basketball coaches. Yeah, and they actually do that with me. Yeah, you're which, looking good. It happens all the time. I'll roll in. You know, my family is in Indianapolis. That's where I was born, and that's where my family still is. And my grandfather would say this. My dad still says it. My brother, they're like, "Oh, you look good." Like it's got to right. be some kind of contest. Yeah, yeah to make sure your. Do they give you the handshake and they touch? One hundred percent. Every I mean, time. it's 100%. Now, I, I haven't run into, you had more coaches than me, having been a part of your sport longer uh -huh. in your life. But going back to the family, which is a family of coaches, they do the same thing, mm -hmm. except they just are calling me son or brother. Yeah, man. It's <laughs> hilarious. I, I get, I'm getting felt out like, okay, yeah. yeah they no. And they always hit but, the same airs. They hit arm, But Wes, I can't trap, front. I shoulder. do the same thing to them, too. At least my brothers. <laughs> my brothers, I do. It's like, all right, you look good. Like, I'm, I'm giving it back to them. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of that player relationship as well. Yeah. You're like, okay, yeah. And then you start to size up. And we do this thing where we have the Mel's Brother Challenge. Okay. And it's me and my two other brothers. And we do a three-point shooting contest, a free-throw shooting contest, and a one-on-one -on -one contest. Oh. And it's every single time that we're in town for Christmas. So it's, it's not an annual event. It's actually probably once every two years or whatever when everybody's in town. And now with me being 30, my other brothers are 42 and 40. Starting to get a little bit past that. Destroying. But it, it gets it gets rough. I bet it does. Oh, yeah. Well, and I'm the worst shooter by far of all of them. But I win one-on-one -on -one every single time. And it's a beautiful thing because my brothers used to, oh, man, they used to destroy me mentally. You know, 12-year, 10-year difference. It's a big yeah. old thing. When I finally beat them one-on-one -on -one as an 18-year-old, I never looked back. And so now we feel it. It's almost like you're feeling each other up for the competition. Like, oh, has this guy got strong enough arms now? How yeah. much? Have you been working out in the last two years I didn't see you? <laughs> no, can, can I get some ground in the post on these guys? So it's funny that coaches and even players will do a lot of that. Man, that's Tons funny. What's your go-to move to get a bucket? Like, if you need one against your brothers, what do you um, definitely am driving in the post okay. and I'm just backing you down. Okay. My brothers, they'll try to play out on the perimeter, especially my oldest brother. He was, uh, he was a guard in college. And so my other brother, Chris <laughs> shooting is so important. It, it dominates our family. Okay. Shooting is so important. My middle brother it, it couldn't shoot at all. So my dad said, no, we're not having this hired the shot doctor, the famous one. 
like the one that a lot of people probably know about was based out in Arizona, flew him out to Indiana to fix my brother's shot and is a sniper from deep now. It worked. Wow. My dad was like, money well spent because he couldn't shoot whatsoever. It's a bunch of offensive rebounds, trash points. Now we got to have you working on the perimeter. Now, for me, I had a good enough post game. It was just never happened. But with my middle brother, like, no, we're not having this. We're not having you clanking. We're going to have you swishing after this. Wow. Dad. So that's what happened. Yeah. I got some Skrilla bringing in a shot doctor. Well, either that or he's spending all of it on the shot doctor. <laughs> that's what's happening. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to three. Sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. We got some breaking news. That is not my breaking news sounder. Where is Stone Cold Steve Austin? Uh, you know, it's, it's too late now. I was ready for the glass break and the Stone Cold music to begin, and then you hit me with that nonsense. Anyway, uh, we, we have breaking news that just came across in the last 10 or 15 minutes. I wish we had caught it there uh, before Coach Darty left the studio, but it is official. The Charlotte Hornets have just announced that the team has extended qualifying offers to the following players, Miles Bridges, Theo Maladone, and P.J. Washington, thus making all three restricted free agents. So again, the Hornets have extended qualifying offers to Miles Bridges, Theo Maladone, and P.J. Washington. All three are now restricted free agents. And again, I, I think as, as far as Bridges goes especially, this is to be expected. Uh, most of us, I think, expected this to happen. Uh, most across the NBA expect Miles Bridges to be back. But, you know, extending a qualifying offer, making him a restricted free agent, I'm good with that, Fiddy, because... I don't think you're going to – it only takes one team to make an offer to Miles Bridges that, uh, you know, could ultimately, you know, pry him away from the Charlotte Hornets. But if they've got a number in mind over there, well, you know, they're going to – it sounds like they're going to let somebody else possibly make a crazy offer to Miles Bridges before they go overpaying for his services. And I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Um, the, you know, I think this was probably the plan all along was to make him restricted free agent and move on from there. Uh, Maladon, uh, I think, is a guy that did some nice things off the bench last year. Then, uh, to me, I think P.J. Washington is the the one that you maybe got to keep your eye on because I think he's a good player. I think he's a serviceable player. But I'm not going to be heartbroken if he's not a Hornet next year. I think you can find other guys around the NBA to do what he does, which is score the ball inconsistently and defend – at a average or above average rate on a, on a nightly basis. So if PJ, I'm of the opinion that PJ Washington is, let's say, 
your third guy off the bench on a championship team or, you know, let's say an Eastern Conference champion. Like, I like what P.J. brings. I like his situational defense. I like his toughness. He can rebound. Um, I'm with you. He's absolutely an inconsistent scorer. There's there's no other way to describe him. One night he'll give you 27, literally, and the next two nights you'll get three, if anything. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, that's, oh. he, was gr- he was much better about that down the stretch, but that also came with so many guys being injured and many more shots coming his way, right? But when everybody's healthy, and, and look, that's part of the way they approach these things with him. Um, he could shoot more, I guess, but they're at their best when PJ's giving them quite honestly, you know, seven points, 10 rebounds, two blocks and two assists on any given night. Yeah. So, you know, somebody said, why are they trying to, uh, prioritize keeping PJ again? I don't think there's anything wrong with bringing PJ back so long as you're not relying on him to win you games. Well, and, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong on this. You probably are. (laughs) Thank you. Like, like whenever you draft a guy and then you just kind of let him let him go, you kind of admit that you were wrong. I don't think they want to say they were wrong on P.J. Washington. Now, were they wrong for what they drafted him at? Yeah, probably so, because when you draft him where you drafted him, you probably expected more out of him. Um, eh. You know, but if, if he's back like on a team friendly deal, like like Walker believes he will get 20 million a year. He thinks PJ. He thinks Washington gets twenty million yes. a year. If the Hornets give PJ twenty million dollars a year, I think that's insane. Yeah, we need we need new new ownership in Charlotte. Well, I mean, that to me again, that's insane. That's insane. Um, Jonathan just said KB. You and Marlowe just said he's inconsistent. He is offensively. He is offensively, but he does rebound. He does defend. You need those guys on your team. You just shouldn't overpay for them, and you shouldn't re- rely on them to win you games because PJ Washington's not going to win you games. You need him to be an effective four coming off the bench, ideally playing, you know, 15 to 18 minutes a night, in my estimation. Yeah, like the most I think I'm giving him is 12 million a year. Agreed. Like if, if we're saying the, the bar for Miles Bridges is 15, there's no way PJ gets 20, let alone 15, because he's not the player that Miles Bridges is. So they offer him a three year 36 or a four year 48. I. I'm not going to be mad at that. If he goes somewhere else and makes more money, that's fine. Let another team give you a bad contract. I, I'm tired of seeing the Hornets give out bad contracts. You invest $20 million in that guy, you could argue that contract is just as equally as bad as what you paid Nick Batum. Mm. You could argue it. What if they have a $12 million exception they can use, right? I think that's right. When it comes to the NBA salary cap, I, I mean, like, dude, I don't know the three branches of government. You think I know the <laughs> NBA salary cap? <laughs> All right. We, you know what? We, we got to be quick on this um, because Leo Mazzoni's coming up in 11 minutes. You know, why don't we scrap this for now? We'll come back to it in the five o'clock hour. We're going to scrap the, the best audio in sports because this just happened as we were coming back from break. And I don't want to force this segment in. Um, speaking of the civics exam, you ready for your next question? I'm really not. Why? Because I think you were enjoying me making a fool of myself on the radio. I'm not enjoying it. I just thought you could have more easily named three cabinet positions. I gave, when I said secretary of, you should have been able to rattle off six. Defense, commerce, education, energy, interior, labor, state. I mean, those are easy. What do you mean? All right, here's another one. This one, this one should also be easy. If the president dies and if the vice president dies or if both are incapacitated, who becomes president? Oh, it's the speaker. See, you've you rebounded, man. What are you afraid of? Have some confidence. Say it with your chest. Who becomes president? The speaker. Damn right it does. Absolutely. See, that's how you, that's how you be a goldfish. 
You bounce back. You don't get too caught up. You had a bad, bad run with the cabinet-level positions question. Not being able to name the three branches of government was not great. But you started out two for two, mm-hmm. and you just bounced back. Have some damn confidence, bro. And you got to get, what, 75% to pass the test? I believe so, yes. So I'm what? Uh, right now, you're three for five, I believe. So, I mean... So you're 60%. Okay. It's not great, but you, you're still in you're still in range to get back. So three for five. Write that down. Write that down. Um, this one might put you at five hundred or fifty percent, but I gotta ask it anyway. Oh no. What? You know what? This is a bonus question. I won't count this against you. <laughs> Do you know how many members of the House of Representatives there are? How many voting members of the House of Representatives? Four hundred and thirty-five. That's what I'm talking about, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where's the, where was that confidence at 15 minutes ago? Because you weren't asking me about all the department heads that make up our cabinet. You knew how many members, voting members of the House of Representatives there are. Because it's a number. It's a statistic. But, dude, you've heard like references to Secretary of State, Secretary of the Interior, Secretary of Energy, Secretary of Defense, Secretary of Agriculture, Secretary of Commerce, your entire life. And I gave you the Secretary of, you know what, I'm happy for you. I'm a, you bounce back. Do better. 704-570-9610. Uh, texters <laughs> Oh, man. This is great. This is great. You're getting ripped. But also, people are happy for you. People are happy for you. We should root for each other more. Uh, Miles Bridge. Here's another one. Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, and Theo Maladon have all been extended qualifying offers and are now eff- uh, effectively or officially restricted free agents. The Maladon one was, was one that I thought was really interesting last week. Fitty, um, because we don't know what, let's say, without, you know, having not drafted Scoot Henderson, what does the backcourt look like with the next group, with the second unit? Um, you know, it's, it's not hockey where you're, you're, you're you have line swaps going on, right? You're not swapping five for five in the NBA, but your next five, like is, is Maladone, is he going to have a chance to compete for the backup point guard spot? Because I think he should. I like the Dennis Smith Jr. story. I love having him on this team, but I really liked what I saw from Maladon at times last year when he was healthy, and he's a young guy. The reason why I, I, I'm i with you, I think he did a lot of nice things. There was a there was one game where he took he took the game over scoring-wise um, off the bench or whatever. You, you've talked a lot about, <laughs> and not that Maladon needs to be clean and get out of here, but this this we, we need new culture here. We, we, need, we need good guys in the locker room. Dennis Smith Jr. felt like a guy who was easy to pull for. He brought a professionalism to that locker room and stuff like that. So I want him back. I mean, I mean, I, I, unless someone is willing to pay him more than, than what Charles willing to pay him. Is is Maladon good enough to stand in the way of having Dennis Smith Jr. off on, on your bench next year? Ask me that again so I, I can make sure I hear the question right. Ask me that again. Is Maladon good enough mm-hmm. for him to be on your bench? And it potentially cost you Dennis Smith Jr. Yes, I think so. Okay. Now, but again, I would like to keep both. Ideally, I would like to have both. But I saw good things from both of them last year, and it felt like Oklahoma City gave up on Maladon too too quickly. And I, at one point last year, we were you know wondering if DSJ and Maladon both you know at the same position, you know weren't two of the better free agency or waiver wire pickups across the entire NBA. Like Dale Maladon's twenty two years old, man. He's still really, really young. He's willing to defend. He, he attacks the rim. He's a willing passer. He's a team player. Like I, I like having Maladon on this roster. 
Now, there may come a time, maybe as soon as early next year, where we find out that you know he's got a very real or limited ceiling, and if that time comes, we'll address it. But he's 22 years old, man. Yeah. He's got some room to grow, and I really like him. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the, the thing about it is, is I think – I think he really developed under Steve Clifford last year. I think he grew as the season moved along, which is a testament to Steve Clifford's ability to actually develop talent here in Charlotte as opposed to guys going somewhere else and becoming better NBA players. So, I mean, I'm with you. I want him back. I, I, I want Dennis Smith Jr. back. You have LaMelo Ball. Then you have Terry Rozier. So that's already four guys in your backcourt. But, I mean, it, it it is a guards game, so I don't think the numbers really matter if you have more guards than, than, than what you usually see. So... It's going to be interesting. I'd love to see what that what that money's going to look like. Yeah, I like both those pickups last year in the backcourt. I, I, that's why I'm pretty bullish on this team. If they stay healthy this year, which is a big question, but they absolutely couldn't last year. To me, they're a playoff team if they stay healthy as currently constructed. Uh, again, if you're just tuning in, some breaking news to start the second hour of the show. The Hornets have extended qualifying offers to Miles Bridges, P.J. Washington, and Theo Maladone. Uh, all three are now restricted free agents. Miles Bridges, of course, is the most intriguing piece of the three, uh, given the backdrop and context of his off-the-court struggles and some of the recent reporting and the twisting and winding road that we've taken to get here. Will they bring him back, and at what cost? What will the price tag be for P.J. Washington? Uh, one texter here a moment ago, 704 number, said P.J. is getting more than $12 million. Uh, probably in the 15 to $18 million range. This isn't some veteran from another team. Can't compare it to Batum. This is homegrown talent. He's not worth $15, $18 million a year, though. Okay, well, the only thing that my only pushback to that is the money keeps going up in the NBA. So sometimes we lose our bearing as to what we think a positional player is worth when the money does continue. I mean, the, the money's absurd in the NBA right now when some of these guys are getting paid. It is. I mean, we looked up a couple of years ago and Otto Porter was making like $25 million a year. That 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 doesn't give you a reason, though, to, to invest it in P.J. Washington. Like, I, I, they're, they're, I mean, I'd rather save that money to give Mark Williams the type of money Mark Williams is going to get. You got to give LaMelo his, uh, his, his rookie max extension. Like, you, you, you got to take some of that stuff into account here. And I know the money's going up. That doesn't mean his value's going up. All right, fair enough. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.